expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. You know, you're as beautiful as ever. And you're as big a liar as ever. You see, just like old times. I've missed you, Natima, and that's no lie. You seem to have kept busy. Oh, yes, I'm very successful. But as the 223rd rule of acquisition Please. says... Please, I haven't heard a rule of acquisition in seven years, and I don't want to hear one now. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, October 25th, 2012. I'm Bob Metz. I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. And we'll be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. And welcome to the show today, where 519-661-3600 is a number you can call to talk to us or to leave your pledge with CHRW, which is part of its annual Fun Drive 2012, something we've been doing every October since we've been here. Hey, Robert? Mm, Yes. And today, Robert and I are going to have a little fun with our theme today, inspired in part by today's fun, Fun Drive and in part by a listener who wrote us last week to suggest that we do a show on the... Ferengi rules of acquisition, which we thought was kind of funny. And when we looked at them, we said, wow, there's a lot of meat there. Mm-hmm. And some chaff that we have to throw out, too. A lot of umox, yeah. too. <laughs> Even if you don't watch Star Trek and have never heard of a Ferengi, there are probably a lot of Ferengi actually living in our community and in our neighborhoods. <laughs> They're not a visible minority. You won't see them. In fact, they might be an invisible majority. We don't really know. Adam Smith referred to an invisible hand that seemed to guide the general prosperity and well-being of a society. And he also suggested that this invisible hand was driven much less by altruism and charity than it was by greed and self-interest. And that's the debate that rages to the present day. And it's one of the dividing points between right and left political ideology. Now, you don't need to be a Star Trek fan to follow today's show's theme, trade, value, acquisition, greed, selfishness, all the usual words we hear when we accuse each other of things. And in particular, the rules of acquisition. We'll discover them all together today here on the show, at least as many as we can get to, because it really would take, I I figured it out, a quarter of the show simply to read all the rules without any comment, Robert. Isn't that amazing? Over the years, they collected that many from that series. About 286. (laughs) Yes, but they never enunciated them all. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You can see them all, by the way, in a list for yourself on Wikipedia. But but what you won't find on Wikipedia or anywhere else on the Internet is what we're going to say on the subject today, which is just one reason why this station, CHRW 94.9 FM, is able to very credibly claim, and I feel comfortable saying this, that it has something very unique to offer, and why you, our listeners, should really get greedy today and support the work and dedication that I know that's being poured into this station by many, many volunteers besides myself and Robert. This is a station that goes 24-7. CHRW has existed, believe it or not, for an incredible 31 years started broadcasting by closed circuit from uh, from in, you know in a few residences at Western in 1980 and FM went to FM in 1981 
in that time, the station's become one of the best campus community stations in Canada. And I can say that from, from visiting a lot of them, too. CHRW has done this through the support of listeners like you. So help a good thing get better. And if you enjoy this show, give us a call and pledge your support at 519-661-3600. Pledge your support, and if the lines are busy, do make a point of calling again. Now, strangely enough, Robert, when I looked at these rules of acquisition, they sounded an awful lot like many familiar human bromides. Yes, <laughs> Little indeed. sayings and rules and sayings that people live by. So I'm wondering, was that just a coincidence? Hmm. I don't know what people know about the Ferengi, but I thought we should say a little bit about them before we got into this, you know. I, I remember seeing the Ferengi. They were first introduced on the Star Trek Next Generation series. And um, I actually talked about this many years ago on the show. And they were introduced as Yankee traders, remember that, who conducted business and transactions in a very, um, I guess they would have said laissez-faire, <laughs> in an open and pirate-like way, really. I think the Ferengi are Star Trek's caricatures of capitalists and free enterprise. And they were always among, if you don't mind me saying, the worst developed species and characters out of the whole Star Trek world, don't you think? Yes, and it, although some of the best actors in Star Trek have played Ferengi. I agree. Um, certainly Quark, yes. Armin Shimmerman, was excellent at that, and he brought that, he gave that species some life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Otherwise, I think without him, they would some have just humanity. been... Yes. <laughs> Interesting. But, you know, you look at them and you go, okay, what, what, what are the, the creators of the show trying to say about these the species? Uh, I think they're kind of ugly looking, let's face it. Would you really want to see a naked female Ferengi? And I guess that's part of their culture. All the women have to go naked, right? One of those silly things that they do. And this is a species that looks and acts more like, you know, human, earthly low forms of life. They're like, they, they pre-chew their tube grubs before serving it to others. They yeah. take beetle snuff. Yes. Just, just kind of gross kind of creatures, but intelligent, okay? They're sentient beings like us. Their weapon of choice is the whip. <laughs> at least that's how it was introduced in the next gen. Yeah, well, they got rid of that pretty quick. Yeah. You know, the second thing, of course, you notice about them is that they're consumed with the lust of profit. They're very selfish. They seem to be cowards for the most part. They seem to be scientifically illiterate, with one notable exception. I remember one episode where there was an issue with a Ferengi who was a scientist, and even they thought it was kind of an anomaly, right? And the other interesting thing about the Ferengi is their leadership, the leaders of their society. They call him the Grand Nagus, and he's been a lot of fun as a character in that series. He's kind of the pope of the, of the Ferengi political economic system, which is anything but capitalism, I think. If you were to, to, to define it, how would you define their economic system? Difficult to say. It's very hierarchical. Like you say, the Grand Nagus is uh, what he says goes. It's almost like a mafia system. That's interesting. That's interesting. I have some conclusions on that to mention later on, but I would say, you know, that whatever they are, they're anything but capitalism. Oh, yes. That's not probably capitalism. Probably the furthest thing from capitalism and you can probably if, get. If anything, it's the Federation and the humans who are far more close to the principles of capitalism. In particular, how can you avoid it? Their non-intervention directive, the prime directive, no less. Mm -hmm. You know, the first one. But, of course, when you look at the whole society of the Ferengi, it's all about authority, FCA, and, and all these rules. The Ferengi rules of acquisition. Sounds like a very, very regulated society. 
all the way through. And they live by these rules. So what we wanted to do is take a look at these rules. And before we do, we're going to break into our next clip right now where we'll hear a little introduction to those rules. And when we come back, we shall investigate some of them and with some comments, see how that goes. We'll be back right after this. By the way, did I mention that the Nagus is appropriating all your holdings? What? Oh! Oh! The, the least you can do is let us keep the females. I'll be back in 20 minutes to approve your speech. I suggest you start writing. You, come with me. Of course, greater sage. What are we going to do? What a Ferengi always does in a situation this great. Panic? No, you idiot! He goes to the rules of acquisition. Huh. Unabridged and fully annotated, with all 47 commentaries, all 900 major and minor judgments, all 10,000 considered opinions. There's a rule for every conceivable situation. has recalled you both. It's non-negotiable. Of course, the Nagus doesn't want to upset the local population. He may want to send others in your place. That's why he wants you to make a little speech telling the people that their holy sages have been recalled to the divine treasury, or whatever it is the people around here call it. Then he wants you to tell them not to worry that everything will be all right without you. Then he wants you to thank them for their generosity. Thank them! The 299th rule of acquisition. Whenever you exploit someone, it never hurts to thank them. That way, it's easier to exploit them the next time. Wait a minute. There's only 285 rules of acquisition. You've been gone a very long time. CHRW is London's community access radio station, and this is why we provide diverse programming for groups who don't have access to mainstream media. We have a number of cultural programs that serve London's cultural communities. We have London's only gay and lesbian radio program. We provide coverage to the city's, city's arts groups, and we tackle social issues that no one else would touch. Now we're asking for the community to support us. Donations of $10 or more qualify for a tax receipt, so call our controller today is Chase at 519-661-3600 and pledge your support to CHRW, and if the lines are busy, please call again. Not only that, I'll add, Bob, that mm -hmm. because this show is archived on our website at justratemedia.org, and if you happen to be listening to this months, years down the road... You can still call that number. That's true. And and give money to CHRW. It helps. It's fund not something they just do today. Station. That's that's right. That's right. Which brings me to uh, number one, uh, um, Ferengi rules of acquisition. Once you have their money, you never give it back. <laughs> <laughs> so give today. Yeah. <laughs> I call that the caveat empty of caveat emptor. <laughs> <laughs> you know that used to almost be. A rule of the marketplace a long, long time ago. You know, it's it, probably why it's in Latin. And, and, well, maybe, and, and but also it was the assumption that once a, once a transaction took place, that was it. A deal's a deal. A deal's a deal. 
So you have to know what you got into before you get into it rather than after. Kind of the very opposite of politics, where we buy the product first and then find out what it's going to cost what us later. What is the rule of acquisition for that? It says, um, well, I can't find it, but it says, always know what you're buying. Yeah. So, you know, I was listening to that clip that we just came out of where he's talking about the rules of acquisition. There's a rule for every conceivable situation. Well, of course, that's not even possible. No, there is, because one of the rules is, if there's no rule, lie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but is that a rule? Okay, that's just a generality. It is, actually. Let me see what number here. Well, then why not... 266. When in doubt, lie. Why not get rid of all the rules, then, and just lie all the time? (laughs) Wouldn't that save you a lot of time, if that's really a rule that you can work with? You'd make a good Ferengi, Bob. I tell you. It's a good thing I'm not one, because it's it's very interesting. Uh, And the other thing was, you know, thank them for their generosity, the 299th rule of acquisition. When you exploit someone, it never hurts to thank them. That way it's easier to exploit them the next time, he says. And then he tells them, well, you've been gone a long time. You know, I bet you a lot of business people today are discovering, especially if someone, say, say someone who was in business 20, 30 years ago, decided to start up again today, he'd be surprised with all the rules of acquisition this country has added since 20, 30 years ago. Taxes alone have increased immeasurably. I don't call them rules of acquisition. I call them rules of wealth redistribution. But I'll get into that in a sure. later on in the show. Well, Why don't we go through some of these acquisition okay. rules here now and give us uh, your opinion and I'll give you my opinion on or some of these. Or true or false. I don't know how you, true you, or could, false, you could try this. Bad. Is, yeah, okay. How about this one here? The justification for profit is profit. Um, yeah. I like it. It's, 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 got, it's a truism, but what, 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 what does it really say? What are you using your profit for? It's, My, it reminds me of uh, Rand's or Objectivism's um, uh, phrase that man is an end unto himself. What number was that? Um, that one about the profit? Yeah. Didn't have a number there? Yeah, I just read it. Oh. Of course, now there's like 200 on my page here, so I don't know. Okay, I just couldn't find it there. I thought there was oh, a number. Oh, here it is. Yeah, it's it. number 202. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it, it says that you don't really have to justify why you want to make money. Making money is its own reward, and it's self-evident that, of course, you want to, to profit from what you do. That, to me, makes absolute... It should be self-evident. It's absolute sense. It's, it's the same as saying the justification for life is life, is life itself. Exactly. And that's... The, the center of that particular statement as I look at it anyway. However, it doesn't speak to the greater picture of why you're making profit, but it means that you are not operating at a loss, which means you're not hurting anyone else, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Now comes what they consider profit is a whole other thing, too. Any others you got in mind there? Well, yeah, how about this one here? Sometimes the Give only thing... Give me the thing... number, too, if you can. So oh, 208. Mark... Sometimes okay. the only thing more dangerous than a question is an answer. Oh, yeah. Now, I like this one particularly because I know that it's true. Especially being in politics, you never ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. That's true in the legal system as well. Never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Because if they come back with an answer that you don't particularly know or like, you have egg on your face. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Bob? Um, how about this one, true or false? The best deal is the one that brings the most profit. Ooh. I would say true, mostly true, 99% true. It's, there it, may be a, there well, may what be made you stop and think for a second there? Because I think I you went through the same process I did. I was trying to think of whether or not there are exceptions to that, and there just might be, uh, because sometimes profit is not always um, 
the best course of events. Maybe you have other considerations than simply having a profit. Okay, now let me ask you what you mean by profit. You're obviously thinking just money, aren't you? No, no, not no? necessarily. That's exactly what I was trying to say, is that sometimes uh, there's more than just money. And, and profit doesn't necessarily mean that you take in more than you expensed. Understood, Sometimes let's it means say, that uh, it's goodwill, like a lost leader um, in, a, in, a, in a store. But don't they profit from that? Uh, they hope to profit in the future. Like if you go into a Max Milk and you buy a, a Pepsi for 50 cents, even though it may have cost them 75, if I just go in and buy the Pepsi, they're hoping that I'd go on also buy that chocolate bar. I don't mm -hmm. have to, right? Well, sure. So I would say that it's primarily true, But the, the reason they do it is because they know statistically it works most of the time. So, so they're doing it because it works. Mm -hmm. So, Well, can't you think of any exception to that? Well, it, it comes down to definition, doesn't it? Would you do something for a loss? Would you do something for a, a net loss, even if you're helping someone? You know, because you're measuring a net loss. If I'm helping someone... That sounds someone, like sacrifice or altruism, in, in which case I don't really think that altruism really exists, or if it does, it's only for a short time until you die out. <laughs> no, even the charity we, we really give is, is all it's selfish. ultimately selfish. Of course. And it comes, even if you have, uh, you know, empathy for other people, that comes from understanding life yourself, you know? You and, cannot love somebody else unless you love yourself. That's true. It's impossible. You cannot like anybody else unless you like yourself. So you cannot be charitable unless it's selfish. <laughs> what do you think of this one, true or false? Number eight, small print leads to large risk. <laughs> kind of has to do with contracts, doesn't uh, it? Absolutely true. And the more, the, the more small print there is, the greater the risk. Even I though you know. know something, every day we are simply dismissing small print. When you go online and say, do you accept these terms? I don't know anybody who would read through the tomes of small print about when you go onto YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or on your uh, in your cell phone and you're accepting an app. Who reads that stuff? You know, I don't know if it's so much a risk as in like investing in the stock market or something like that. Have you ever read the small print? Just it comes with a regular credit card. Oh God, no! You know, you would never. It's pages long, and then yes. every once in a while, you get something in the mail that says, "Well, we're updating your contract." Like, like it's your contract. You know, you're, like you're going to change anything. Oh, although I do know of some standard conditions in those contracts, which are absolutely scary, about the power that the credit card companies and the banks have. You go to your bank; they don't have to give you your money right away. You have thirty days' notice sometimes to get your money back from a bank. Oh, I know. Yeah. And yeah. you can go into your bank. Let's say you've got ten thousand dollars in your bank. The small print will probably say, and I know this to be true, at least when I read the small print many years ago, that the bank can demand 30 days notification before it uh, gives you your deposit. Yeah, that's true. That's of course, true. it never really happens. Well, see, that's the whole thing, too. A lot of those conditions that you see in the small print are not, aren't necessarily a huge risk for you on an average day, but there might mm -hmm. be if a crisis happened or there was a run on the banks or something, that's when you would see something like that happen. That was more when we had a gold standard and there was actually gold in them, their vaults. But, of course, gold is sometimes used to lent out and, um, and it's used for other things, right? So that's why they wanted to so give us 30 days and we'll get it back from this guy so we can give it to you. But anyway, let's move on. Never begin a negotiation on an empty stomach, number 214. 214? Yeah. Hmm. I'm ambivalent towards this one. There's something to be said for being hungry when you are trying to negotiate something. 
It, it sharpens what, you up. It depends whether you take empty stomach literally. <laughs> <laughs> or no, that's what I mean by hungry. It right. means that you really want Yes, it. okay. That's but then a, there's something bad to be said for really wanting something. If you And I know this being in business. If you come across as being needy, like I really want that, and if you express that, all of a sudden, the potential no, uh, you're, you're, you're buyer. spelling danger to the, yes. to the buyer. Yes, the buyer smells that and can take advantage of you. But it's funny. On, I, I feel silly a little bit commenting on this now because I took it a little more literally than you did, and I think you took it more correctly. But uh, literally, you shouldn't be doing business if you're actually physically hungry. <laughs> oh, uh, you should not go shopping for food if you're hungry. That's I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> because the decisions you make will be very flighty. That's right. <laughs> and here's one, number 14 that I think speaks to a huge issue. We could do a whole show on this one. Anything stolen is pure profit. Uh, absolutely wrong, just because of definition of terms. Well, remember, we talked about this on a previous show. I forget what context it came in. But I recall saying something like, yeah, you can profit, but only in the biblical sense. Like when you steal something from someone, yeah, you've gained something at their loss. But in the economic sense, if you're talking economics, that's not what profit is. Profit has to be earned. Exactly. That's what I said. The definition of the word profit makes this statement false. Right. And, and because profit has to be earned, it has to be voluntarily negotiated. And therefore, it cannot be stolen. Exactly. And, uh, of course, sometimes I think that the profit is... Maybe they're looking at it in the reverse. If you made a real good deal and made a lot of profit, you ripped the guy off. A lot of people think that way. You know? Mm -hmm. Boy, I made away with that. Or some guy sells his house for twice what he paid for it, right? Or you look and at it, people like Conrad Black, who's um, now back in Britain making the tours again, and people th think that he's a fraudster, falsely, in my opinion, and um, that he got his money, uh, you know, through, through fraud. Mm. And... Um, it's just sheer envy that uh, people would think that. Or they look at Bill Gates saying nobody should be worth uh, $50 billion. Or Richard Branson, nobody should be worth $4.2 billion like Richard Branson is. You know, that is just sheer envy. Because they just don't understand what profit is and that these people actually had to go out and earn it. Yeah, once you see the wealth, you don't see what preceded it. It's always like that. Mm. What do you think of this one? Number 27, there's nothing more dangerous than an honest businessman. I disagree, because this is, again, coming from the um, Ira Stephen Bear, who actually wrote these rules of acquisition, and one of the creators of Star Trek, or writers for Star Trek. And um, it's obviously the misconception that uh, capitalists are dishonest, and that to make money, you have to be dishonest. Now, Absolutely false. Don't forget who's saying this, though. This is the Ferengi rules of acquisition. And, and number 14 says that anything stolen is pure profit. Mm -hmm. So obviously, they, they don't make that distinction. And why would then an honest businessman be dangerous to them? Hmm, I wonder why, <laughs> right? <laughs> because what but, they're... Uh, but standing by itself is Sure, false. sure. And what they're avoiding there, of course, because all these rules of acquisition, is in, an, in a competitive economy... An honest businessman is a danger to someone who wants to rob you and steal and cheat from you, right? Because he's going to keep the market honest. That's right. People will go to him instead How's if they know one? about him. How's <laughs> this one here? Deep down, everyone's a Ferengi, number 284. Deep down, everyone is a Ferengi. 
Well, we haven't completely defined Ferengi yet, but if, it, well, we if it's meant to say to deep Ferengi. down everyone is selfish or self-interest, works on self-interest, works or on the is greedy, motive. or works on the profit motive, then I would say, yes, it's true. And that's mm-hmm. why I said out the outside of the show that maybe we've got a lot of Ferengi living amongst us. Right. That was just being figured out. A lot of these rules, I would uh, say, are accurate. Like, we've come across a number that we think are true, a number that are false. So it's hard to say if everyone is a Ferengi or not. But if you define a Ferengi as somebody who works on the selfish, um, who works towards his own rational self-interest, yes, everyone's a Ferengi. If you think of a Ferengi as somebody who is dishonest, no, everyone is not a Ferengi. Yep. What about you, Bob? You Ferengi? <laughs> I, I'm not going to question. I care not to comment on that particularly, but I'm looking at number 45 right now. Expand or die, hmm. and I'm thinking of David Suzuki, the end of growth. <laughs> um, uh, not necessarily true. Not necessarily. It, it's certainly if you can expand your business and and be successful at it. Well, sure, why not do it? But it's not necessary to make a profit. Well, you know, is it? I don't know. I think it's more true than you think. I think expansion is part of the profit process. I don't think you can just stay the same. That's kind of a myth in itself. And even when you are just keeping your um, neck above water, you're kind of constantly having to produce, right? Expansion, though, is different from change. As, as, a, okay. as a businessman, I know that you have to adapt. Daily, absolutely daily, you have to adapt. But that doesn't necessarily mean expanding. Okay, For example, yeah, I, I also thinking. expanded. When I was in business, I expanded, but I almost did it to my detriment because I wanted more and more and more, but then I had to actually reconcile it with my customer base and my ability to pay. And if you don't get that equation proper, you could die. Now you got me questioning it. You know, I've worked for a lot of companies that really overexpanded, and now they became parts of other companies that also expanded but Mm -hmm. took them over because obviously they did something right and the other company did something wrong. Mm Here's one that I really consider a truly capitalist rule, and that is number 57. Good customers are as rare as latinum. Treasure them. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Once you've got somebody who buys your product, likes your service, then you have to make sure that you retain them because a large percentage of business is from repeat customers. How are we doing for time here? I don't know how many I think of these we better, we're going to um, go down to the break and uh, come back with some more discussion on these things. Okay, before we do that, can I make a comment? Because mm-hmm. what we're going to hear going into this break is a little piece about, I think it's uh, Ferengi rule of acquisition number 94. If you check it up, what does it say there? Females and finances don't mix. Right. <laughs> but we learned that, that Ferengi females aren't allowed to own property or earn profit. And I thought, thought it interesting that this was the situation in Canada and in most of the so-called free world until as late, late as the 1920s. It's still the case in many cultures and countries around the world today. And it struck me that to not be able to own property or to earn profit, that is essentially what separated in Canada and in other countries a legal person from non-persons who had no rights. They just had status. So I thought that was an interesting background just on this clip coming up, uh, which we will listen to now when we return. We'll continue our conversation on the other side. Chief, is it all right if I take a slightly longer lunch than usual? I need leader to sign this. A waiver of property and profit. Ferengi females aren't allowed to own property or earn profit. The WPNP states that in the event the marriage ends, the female gives up all claim to her husband's estate. And you expect Lita to agree to this? I agree to wear the earring 
So, I'm the leader signs this or the wedding's off. Well, I may not be a traditional Ferengi, but I'm still a Ferengi. Well, it's your life, but I think you're making a big mistake. I think I'd be making a bigger mistake if I didn't. Besides, Lita loves me. You'll see, Chief. She'll sign it. Are you crazy? I'm not gonna sign this. Why not? Because a marriage is about sharing everything, including money. Not on Ferenginar. We're not on Ferenginar. But I'm a Ferengi. And I'm not. Females in finances don't mix. Rule of acquisition 94. That's a stupid rule. It's true. You're just like her. You're after my money. Like who? My first wife. Pretending that you care about me. But all the time it's my profits that you really care about. Rom? I love you. Not your latinum. Then prove it. Sign the WP and P. Never. Then the marriage is off. You bet it is. is right. You should be back on Deep Space Nine celebrating your victory. You've proven yourself a true Ferengi. You've betrayed friends and family for personal gain. Sounds so good when you say it. But? I think I've been hanging around humans too long. I think I'm developing a... Conscience? It's been coming for a long time. I fought against it. I really have. But living with those people day in and day out, being exposed to their ethics, their morality. It's like I've been brainwashed. You poor boy. Mogi, I'm serious. Oh, I know you are. And I know how important your problems are to you. But frankly, Quark, right now, I don't give a damn about them. We've got much bigger problems to deal with. Do you want Brunt to become Nagus? Of course not. He was willing to throw our entire economy into chaos just so he could grab power. Sounds like a true Ferengi to me. A Ferengi, maybe. But not a Nagus. A Nagus has to be better than that. His personal greed has to reflect the public's greed. Like Zack. Exactly. So what are we going to do about it? And Moogie, of course, was Quark's mother. Yes. And for the show, she wore clothes in contravention of rule of acquisition number four, a woman <laughs> wearing clothes is like a man in the kitchen. <laughs> I think I'll just leave that one alone yeah, for right we'll now. Okay? Remember, this is oh, Fundraising Week on CHRW, and all of you, the programming you hear on this station, CHRW, is produced by volunteer community members, including Bob and myself, and our controller today, Chase. This makes CHRW unique. It's radio for the community, programmed by the community. Programming that is untouched by marketing groups and demographic surveys. It's the real thing. It's radio for its own sake. If you believe in this, give us a call at 519-661-3600. Talk to Chase and pledge. You can get more info about Fund Drive 2012 at chrwradio.ca. 
Call again, 519-661-3600 and pledge your support to CHOW. And if the lines are busy, please call again. So, we're talking about the rules of acquisition and Ferengi, who are the supposed quintessential capitalists, as depicted by the Star Trek canon. By the way, just a comment there. When, when, when I think it was the mother saying, Brunt was willing to throw our entire economy into chaos just so he could grab power, or maybe that was Quark. And I'm thinking, doesn't that sound like Ontario right now? Wasn't that our last two by-elections? There are so many parallels to the rules of acquisition and politics. It's almost as if you could recite these with the political mind, uh, with politics in mind, and they'd still be true or false. Well, true, you know? that's sort of where, where I'm beginning to think these are more or less, or less rules of acquisition than they are rules of regulation of, of government, you know? Yes. That's almost what they seem like. Now, greed. Greed has been a... At least thought of as a component of the dirty capitalist Yankee trader, carpetbagger. Yeah, supposedly, (laughs) right? You know, and I had to go to uh, Merriam-Webster, look up the word greed, and see exactly what we're talking about here. Because to get into any discussion, you have to define your terms. Greed, a selfish and excessive desire for more of something as money than is needed. Well, it begs the question, doesn't it? Who decides? How much is needed? Who decides what's excessive? Is it selfish? Is selfish a bad thing in and of itself? And here's, a, here's some of the examples that they gave. Quote, he was a ruthless businessman motivated by naked ambition and greed, unquote. Notice that the example chosen by the dictionary is of a businessman. Mm-hmm. You know, of all the examples to choose from, it seemed natural for the writers the of the dictionary. people who earn their money. To choose yeah. businessmen as an example of greed. They could have said, and I made this one up myself, in her greed, the girl took all the candy for herself. I mean, it wasn't so hard to to have a non-businessman as an example of greed. Greed, I think. That's is a, a good s- observation. You know, greed's a social concept, though. It, um, it requires the judgment of others on the person said to be greedy for an individual to desire more or accumulate more will not agree that his actions are excessive or beyond his needs. I mean, you're not going to find anybody saying yet, I am greedy, because he knows his motivations. He knows what he needs. He knows what he wants to be comfortable Only others, often driven by envy or perhaps their own greed, can pass judgment on whether or not another person's actions are motivated by greed, it seems. That's why it's a political concept, i.e., it's a social concept. And not only that, it's an inverse concept. More often than not, you'll notice that the person claiming that another person is being greedy is doing so because it's really he who is coveting that which the other person is accumulating, making him, in reality, the greedy one. For it is the covetousness of someone else's property which is the determinant in defining greed, in my opinion. This isn't a dictionary definition. Mm -hmm. So, again, the question is begged. Can a person alone be greedy? And let's take an example of Robinson Crusoe on his deserted island. Could he be considered greedy if, for example, he accumulated a storehouse of coconuts, took all the coconuts off the island and put them in his storehouse, took all of the uh, uh, palm leaves that was necessary to build a hut? If he thought it prudent to store some away in case his hut blew away in a storm, is he greedy? 
even an unseen onlooker. I guess squirrels are greedy when they put nuts away for the winter. Yeah, apparently. Because they don't need nuts. them right, right that day. Not only that, do you know that all those squirrels that put all those nuts away, yeah. they only take about 10% of them. They only find about 10% of them again. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I've heard that the other day. It's pretty strange. Wow, what a lot of work, eh? That's because somebody else found the other 90%, maybe. <laughs> no, it's just that because they're greedy. Yeah. Greedy squirrels. But just consider an unseen onlooker to Robinson Crusoe, not knowing of the internal motivations of Crusoe. Would he not think him greedy if he saw him taking all the coconuts and all the palm leaves? He might think Crusoe was wasting his time and energy, but I don't think he'd call him greedy. He'd only consider himself greedy, or Robinson Crusoe greedy, if that observer also wanted the coconuts and palm leaves to build his store of food in his own hut. So his needs define his judgment of Crusoe's behavior as being greedy or not. That's right. It's always when you call the other guy greedy, it's because he's taking more of something you want, you want. or something somebody you know wants. You know, oh, it doesn't you have would, to be yeah. you directly. There but has to be selfishness There has to be another, another person wanting it somewhere. So what are we to make of the businessman or capitalist who accumulates hundreds of millions of dollars or even billions of dollars? By most people's standards of necessity and comfort, a billion dollars is truly excessive. And if we did not understand the concept of money and wealth, we might even consider him greedy. But this is the crux. It's our ignorance that money and wealth are fixed, static, limited in quantity, which gives rise to feelings of envy and greed. We see a man such as, and I used this example before, Richard Branson, who has a net worth of $4.2 billion today. And we might consider him greedy hoarding all that money he doesn't know what to do with, as if he's a Scrooge McDuck with a big money bin filled exactly. with $4.2 billion worth of coins and dollars. Or if, if, if that money's sitting in his account so he can pay for his weekly groceries. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what should Branson do with his wealth? And, you know, that's entirely up to him. It's his. One thing he's uh, doing, though, is creating a private alternative to NASA to ferry people into space. If he gave away if he gave away his money to people who didn't earn it, Virgin Galactic wouldn't exist. Exactly. You need billionaires. We need billionaires. You need capital. What that four point two billion is is capital. And That's he right. controls the capital. It's not his spending money for <laughs> going to the grocery store buying fancy cars. That's right. That's a part of it, but it's a, such a small sliver it, it wouldn't make any difference. Not that if he wanted to do that, that would be perfectly yeah. fine as well. By the way, I mean, who would benefit from that? The car dealerships. The people who build the cars. As long as money money is honestly transacted, Mm -hmm. everyone benefits. We benefit from people like Branson and Bill Gates, who create and benefit others and thereby accumulate wealth. They accumulate wealth. They spend it. We accumulate wealth. It's a circle of giving and taking um, by contract and, and free will. And by accumulate, I don't mean keep it in a sock under your mattress or in a money bin like a Scrooge McDuck. They don't. They invest it, and they keep it moving, and thereby spread the wealth around voluntarily. Now you see, this, that's what I was thinking when we were talking about expand or die. I was thinking of your profits, expanding your profits, having more money, accumulating capital. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another way of looking at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But let's look at the other person who calls this person greedy. It's only the person who may not be on the receiving end of that wealth who might consider them greedy. But that's because, in the end, they are truly the greedy ones. They want something for nothing. That, to me, is a good definition of greed. 
Yes, and someone not the who Ferengis. Wants, someone who wants to live at the expense of someone else against their will is definitely a, a, a greedy situation. But you know that definition you got out of the dictionary there got me thinking. Something about you know having more than one, having more. You have to have greed is when you go beyond your need, right? Mm. You know what the interesting observation I have about that is about our needs. We have no choice. You ever think about that? You're hungry. You don't have a choice about being hungry. You can't decide I'm not going to be hungry today because when that food runs out, you're going to be hungry. Nature. So it becomes need. Mm-hmm. But if you eat something when you're not hungry, well, that could, that's kind of unnatural. That's a product of choice. Uh, well, you may have a need there too. For example, well, you may, but have you ever heard of comfort food? Well, that's true, but that's, again, you don't need it, quote, to survive. That's now true. you're spreading the word need. Uh, to, to mean anything again. you got to yeah. be careful. You don't uh, need I, no, actually, I'm careful because that was Merriam-Webster's dictionary definition. Understood. Uh, Wikipedia's definition said need or comfort. I didn't say that one, but if you look up in Wikipedia and greed, mm-hmm. it says need or comfort. But it, gets, it strikes but me that the difference be? between the two is choice and versus no choice. You're always needy. The poorest people in the world are needy. Right, and they might be greedy too, but who knows how to, how to, how, to, how to look at the difference except from that unnaturalness of it. You see that in in other areas too. Um, we're very forgiving of people who use drugs because they need them, and we even open up clinics down on the on corners and we give them heavy drugs that we wouldn't before have let them run the streets with, but because a pot smoker only smokes pot out of quote greed because he doesn't need it. Unless he's got a medical prescription, then he needs it, and then we're all then suddenly we're forgiving of the same person. Mm-hmm. We're always judging the other person's motivation of why he's using a product, and whether or not that product's legitimate or not depends upon our judgment of his motivation. Is there a rule of acquisition? Mind your own damn business, because if there isn't, there should be. <laughs> I don't know. The rule of acquisition number ten says greed is eternal, <laughs> and that's certainly true. If 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 it's the same as need. And, of course, a wealthy man can afford anything except a conscience. There's another one. Just a reminder, you are tuned in to listener-supported community radio. That means we rely on each of you to provide us with the means to keep the radio station going. We depend on listeners, so we don't have to rely on advertising. That's why it's called corporate-free corporate radio. And that's why we get to say what we want to say, Robert. If you support what this radio station does in the community, then show it by giving us a call. 519-661-3600. Pledge your support to CHRW, and if the lines are busy, please call again. What are we going to do on the other side of this break, Robert? I think we're going to sum up with some observations about the rules of acquisition and our own human condition. Oh, boy. Okay, we'll be back right after this. Are your ears tingling? Mine, too. <laughs> so, tell me, Nagus, how was your day? Oh, you know how it is. Arsabidor futures are continuing to increase, and the Polians have finally agreed to allow the Ferengi Gaming Commission to take over all their gambling emporiums. And the... and... uh... um... Oh! I have decided to allocate extra funds for research on a new breed of Huparian beetles. Those little fellows are gonna revolutionize the entire beetle snuff industry. Now that's what I call a busy and productive day. No wonder the Ferengi economy is growing at a record pace. Costs are down, profits are up, and opportunity is around every corner. 
Zeki, you've done quite a job. And your people love you for it. Your business acumen, your negotiation skills, your kindness and generosity. Forget it, Quark. I'm not going to reverse the FTA's decision. They revoked your business license, and they're the ones you're going to have to reinstate it. But you're the most powerful man on Ferengina. You can do whatever you want. True. But contracts are the very basis of our society, and you broke a contract with another Ferengi. If I were to intervene on your behalf, I would be encouraging others to violate the law! And that I will not do! Moogie, talk to him. He makes a very good point, Quark. What you did was wrong. Thanks. I knew I could count on you. Grand proxy avoidance of. Grand proxy censure by. Grand proxy encounters with. See hopeless situation. I told you there was no rule. Then it's time to invoke the unwritten rule. The unwritten rule? When no appropriate rule applies, make one up. <laughs> That's a very good rule. Now let's see. What should it be? The Grand Proxy is the Nagus's official messenger, right? I've got it. When the messenger comes to appropriate your profits, kill the messenger. <laughs> Lovely laugh. <laughs> Over 300 volunteers a year begin training at uh, 94.9 CHRW, and like all volunteer organizations, not everyone who starts will complete their training, but we do offer it at no cost. What would Quark say? Volunteers can learn to do newscasts, put together a news show or music show, learn how to produce pre-recorded messages and write scripts. Find out how promotions and radio work together. Call me at uh, 519-661-3600 and talk to Chase, our controller. Pledge your support to this show, and if the lines are busy, please call again. So, let's conclude this uh, Ferengi Rules of Acquisition, Bob, with some conclusions about what the Ferengi called humans. <laughs> you and I. You know, it's interesting you just said the Ferengi might be upset by the CHRW's <laughs> training program there at no cost. No cost. Of course... It isn't at no cost. It's paid for by the volunteers or, or by the contributors, right? Mm -hmm. And the volunteer nothing is free. The the benefit of it, of course, is right. transferring a benefit. Uh, what what are, are you asking me? What my conclusions of all this are? Yeah, is, do you is have that any... the question? I don't know. I'm thinking that these Ferengi rules of acquisition are more rules of regulation of a very controlled society, very hierarchical, as you said earlier. Mm -hmm. If I was going to describe the Ferengi government based on what we know, okay, from the, from the TV series, I would say it most closely resembles a fascist government. Mm -hmm. uh, not socialist at all. They're, they're totally opposed to socialism, you know, public ownership, collective ownership. In fact, the idea of, of the wife and the husband having something in common and sharing it, that would be so communistic to the Ferengi, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why they would reject that. But in the in the clip we just heard, where they're talking about kill the messenger, right? Um, the messenger's coming to appropriate their capital. 
Well, in my terminology, that's no messenger. That's an income tax collector if he has the power to appropriate profits. Mm-hmm. And that's income tax they're talking about. And income tax, I think, is one of the most destructive things you can do to an economy. A government has a right to get taxes, but income tax was a very recent invention. <laughs> I would Especially not say that a government has a right to have taxes. I'd say a government has the right to, to make to, revenue. To make revenue, yes. <laughs> we call them the mall taxes, yes. Mm-hmm. But what was also interesting, too, is that conversation between uh, the Nagus, who was, of course, the head of their economy, and Quark there, where Quark wants to wants him to do him a favor as a businessman. Give me a give me a break, you know. Give give me my license. That's corporatism. Yes, that's what we get in this, this country all the time. When it's just, and the unions do it too. Is that mm-hmm. union corporatism? I don't know. When they want favoritism from the government, and the government says yes, mostly in our cases, sure. not large, all the time. Large yes, but even in this case, with this greedy, greedy Grand Nagus, he says. He explains to him, contracts are the very basis of our society, and you broke a contract, and if I let you, you know, if I give you a break, he says, and everybody else will start breaking contracts. You know, that's a very moral statement. It's an extraordinarily moral statement, and he says, despite my absolute power, here's a guy who says he's got absolute power, he could change it. But he understood that if he did that, he would lose his absolute power, which kind of speaks to the power of dictators in a way, too. It's not as absolute as you think. You know, they do have the support of their people, or enough of them to keep them in power, or they wouldn't be there. Even if it's a minority, it doesn't matter. But when I when I was listening to all the things Anagus was doing in that clip that we just came out of, you know, he's talking about market futures increasing, how the gambling emporium has been taken over by the Ferengi Gaming Commission. <laughs> it sounds like the Western Fair here. The OLG. And OLG and all that stuff. <laughs> And allocated funds for research into the Beatles snuff industry. It sounded like that uh, that funding they did to to make sausages not sizzle so much or pop or whatever you were talking sausages, about. Sausages, yes. Yes, and of course uh, the the mother says, "Well, that was a busy and productive day." <laughs> I'm thinking, "Oh my, you must have destroyed so much of the economy." And then, of course, Cork comes back saying, no wonder the Ferengi economy is growing at a record pace, cost down, profits up, the people love you, opportunity everywhere. That is simply not the result uh, in an economy that's regulated to that degree, the way they talk about. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the opposite, in fact, as I think President Obama is learning, you know. The hard way. Pretty much, yes. You know, we, we talked earlier about uh, what constitutes profit. To find profit is not always necessarily money. And I found a rule of acquisition which speaks to that because the Ferengi, um, besides profit, besides money, had another interest. And rule of acquisition 223, beware the man who doesn't make time for umox. Do you know what umox is, Bob? <laughs> well, love making. let's put it that well, way. Well, it was uh, the or, practice of fondling their ears, yeah, I don't, <laughs> which was an know. erogenous zone for the Ferengis. So profit can take many forms. I've got a few, I don't know, <laughs> points to make about uh, rules of acquisition. Just as a counterpoint to the Ferengi rules, I think us humans, as Ferengi would say. But is there some truth to that, that, that Umak thing? I, was, I thought you were going to take that a little further. No, I thought I'd leave that one just where it lay. You know what I think is lies behind that sentiment, though? Huh. 
You know, it's like saying you can't trust somebody who who doesn't drink or somebody you know because it's somebody who doesn't feel uh, there, life. Or, there's or, or, something or, lacking in their character that you don't understand their motivation. Yes, exactly. Right, yeah. and so you have to wonder, hey, this this guy's not quite normal, or something's different about him. So yeah, the the, the trust factor goes down. You know, that just is good observation, Bob. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think uh, that rule of acquisition that we're all Ferengi is there's something to be said about that. If we looked at Ferengi as acting in our own self-interest, seeking and making profit, accumulating wealth beyond our bare subsistence. Because you know something, it doesn't take a lot to barely survive in, in, in the world. It doesn't. I mean, what do you need? A little roof over your head, some food in your belly, and, and some clothes on your back, and you're alive, unless you're a female, and then, of course, you don't have the clothes. But, but um, In friendly society. You yes. know, this is a good and proper way to be making profit, acting selfishly, rationally, self-interest, that is. But as a collective, I think we have rules, not of acquisition, but of wealth redistribution. It's almost the inverse of the Ferengi rules of acquisition. As a collective, as a country, as a society, we are far greedier than the worst we could think of a grand nagus being. We tax people into poverty in this country, taking more than half of what they earn. We steal in the name of charity, making sure to take a cut for ourselves. And although I'm tempted, Bob, I won't go so far to say that we should keep our women naked and in the kitchen <laughs> like the Ferengi would. But as a society, I think we'd be far better off if we at least followed some of these rules of acquisition. And you know, some of the rules of acquisition, according to the Ferengi, there are five stages of acquisition. The first one, then to put it in perspective of uh, this is, politics. This is separate from the rules. These are, oh yes, yes, it's the stages of acquisition. And um, liken this to our own Grand Nagus, Stephen Harper, who, ironically, is an economist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Grand Nagus is supposedly a businessman, and here we have Stephen Harper, our Grand Nagus, an economist. But look at this. And let's Rule face number it, one he's is, doing pretty well compared to the rest of the world. He actually you know, is, you know. you know. I have to give him kudos for a lot of what he does. Rule, uh, the um, first stage of acquisition, infatuation. Politically speaking, that's envy and greed for what people who are producing have. Second stage, justification. It's for the kids. It's for the poor. It's for whatever, fill in the blank. It's not for me. It's for somebody else. That's the socialist justification stage. Third stage, appropriation. Well, we all know that one, don't we, Bob? Mm -hmm. Taxation. You're doing, a, you're doing a reversal on these, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. The fourth stage, obsession. Or, as Lyle liked to say, a bureaucracy once created can never be destroyed, which is absolutely true. And the fifth stage, resale. In other words, we'll give you some of your money back, but we're going to take a cut for ourselves. So this stages of acquisition, the real Ferengis are the politicians, if we look at Ferengis as being greedy, envious, dishonest, cutthroat, ruthless, not businessmen. So I guess it all boils down to who you have as your grand nagus and in, unfortunately in Ontario it happened to be Dalton McGinty for the last several years yeah, and look at where Dalton, that goodness. put us oh my goodness well we've got to go for another week and remember you can pledge a donation or go online to donate at chrwradio.ca call 519-661-3600 you can pledge your support to chrw and of course if the lines are busy always call again that's it for this week as we continue our journey in the right direction until then, you know what to do. Be right, act right, do right, stay right. We'll be right back here. We'll see you then. Live long and prosper. Oh, you Vulcan, you. <laughs> Fade into color.
Color it to black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright Rule of acquisition 286 When Morn leaves, it's all over There is no such rule There should be When Morn leaves, it's all over There is no such rule